Whether you're moving in together for the first time. This can be your closet. Or you're a new parent to a little fur baby. Viva paper towels can help you maintain a clean home. They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. So they clean like cloth, helping you pick up after your new pet in your new home. For an exceptional cloth-like clean, use Viva Towels. Visit vivatowels.com to learn more and start fresh with a clean feeling of home. And you're on right now with Jim Dawes, your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an America First perspective. On the Mojo 5 Radio Network and on demand anytime on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, and Spotify. Follow me on Twitter at RightNowJimDawes and shoot me an email at RightNowJimDawes at gmail.com. Call into the program at 772-245-0750. That number again is 772-245-0750. Leave your questions or comments, and we'll use your call on a future broadcast. Well, this whole Spygate thing is starting to come apart. The deep state, the Democrats, um, Obama, White House, deep state effort to derail the Trump campaign and then undermine his presidency when he was elected is starting to unravel. And yesterday, the New York Times admitted that there was yet another spy. They like to call them confidential informants, but these are spies. They're not confidential informants. I keep trying to point out the distinction between the two. An informant is somebody that you already have legitimately inside an organization that is sharing information with you. That is not what happened, or at least not in these cases. There may have been confidential informants inside the Trump campaign, but these uh, these rogue actors directed by the FBI and John Brennan's CIA, Joseph Mifsud, Stephen Downer, I mean, uh, uh, Stephen Halper, Felix Sater, Hank Greenberg, they are not informants. They are operatives. They are spies that were sent to approach the campaign, dangle incentives in front of them to try to entrap them in a conspiracy with the Russian government. And all of this uh, is starting to come unwound now as... um, as Attorney General Bill Barr has said that he intends to look into this, he called it uh, spying outright. The Democrats absolutely freak out every time he uses that word. It burns, it burns. I got a clip here. I'm going to play you a real real short clip. This is uh, uh, Representative White House of Rhode Island interrogating Bill Barr before the House Judiciary or the Senate Judiciary Committee. Uh, I think this was last Wednesday. You used the word spying mm-hmm. about authorized DOJ investigative activities. 
Uh, I think spying is a good English word that, in fact, doesn't have synonyms because it is the broadest word uh, incorporating really all forms of covert intelligence collection. So I'm not going to back off the word spying. And up until all the the fall outrage a couple of weeks ago, it's commonly used in the press to refer to authorized activities such as referring to the FISA court as the department. What? It is not commonly used by the department. My time is commonly used by me. It's commonly used by me, says Bill Barr. It's commonly used by the rest of us. And really, uh, they keep trying to claim that this wasn't spying. It was it. That is exactly what it was. It was an intelligence collection. It was spying. It was sending out operatives, undercover operatives under pretexts to gather information from people associated with the Trump campaign. And, you know, I've identified at least four of these spies that uh, the Obama's intelligence and law enforcement agencies ran at the Trump campaign. And I've said that these are just the ones we know about. There are probably more. And lo and behold, yesterday, the New York Times published an article that was uh, yet another one of these deep state leaks designed to get out ahead of the uh, inspector general's report that's due to be released and put the most positive spin possible on the fact that when Stephen Halper um, ran at, that's the term the intelligence community uses, you run spies at someone, he was accompanied by yet another spy. And this was the classic intelligence agency uh, tactic of a honeypot. This FBI informant, so-called spy, um, was an attractive young woman who uh, flirted with George Papadopoulos, tried to lure him into um, admitting that he had information on uh, Russia's ties with the Trump campaign, the information that was planted by Joseph Mifsud, who I believe is a CIA operative spy. And they leaked this, uh, this story to the New York Times because they know that the New York Times is heavily invested in this narrative that uh, the Trump campaign was not spied on, and they can count on the New York Times attempting to cover their butts while at the same time attempting to protect Obama's deep state by putting the most uh, benign spin on this activity. So in the months following, all of these these um, opposition journalists, these Democrat shills in the media, and the Democrats, that the Obama administration never, ever, oh, no, don't say it, spied on the Trump campaign. Now the New York Times has admitted that, in fact, that's exactly what was going on. And it's not the first time the Times has um, let slip this effort by the Obama administration. Periodically throughout this whole affair, uh, they have had to uh, admit as issue as uh, revelations have come to light that yes, in fact, the FBI and the CIA 
were spying on the Trump campaign, and they always do this in, in such a way as to try to minimize it and make it look like, oh, they were just trying to find out if the Russia was uh, approaching these low-level aides. And many of the Republican members of the House and Senate Intelligence Committee have rightly pointed out that if that was their only concern, why didn't they approach the Trump campaign through Rudy Giuliani or Chris Christie, both former uh, U.S. attorneys, and give them a defensive briefing so that they could protect themselves against it? Well, that, that pulls the mask off all this. What they were trying to do is trap the Trump campaign into... Um, uh, some sort of collaboration with Russia. First, by Mifsud planting this information that Russia had dirt on Hillary, and then sending Stephen Halper in this honeypot. Her name is Azra Turk. That's her her uh, undercover name, Azra Turk, to try to collect that information. And of course, they sent uh, they ran Felix Sater at Michael Cohen in order to dangle the prospect of a Trump Tower in Moscow. If only he could get Trump to communicate directly with Vladimir Putin. We all we know all of this was bogus because the truth of the matter is the Trump campaign didn't even know how to get in touch with Russia. And Russia didn't know how to get in touch with the Trump campaign. After he won the election, there was a scramble on who do you actually contact? Who do you pick up the phone and establish relations with? And Michael Cohen, if he if he was such a uh, a deep state operative, dialed into this effort, he wouldn't have had to send an email attempting to uh, discuss the possibility of a Trump Tower in Moscow to basically a, uh, a info dot russia dot gov email on one of their websites. But this article in the New York Times, in addition to, in addition to acknowledging that Stephen Halper was, uh, was sent to run at the Trump campaign, details how this honeypot, Azra Turk, was sent by the FBI, they say. Papadopoulos actually believes that she was not with the FBI. I think she was with the CIA. And, um, and, of course, Halper was picked by the uh, FBI because he was a longtime CIA and FBI undercover operative that had worked on, um, you know, Russia issues before. In addition to Papadopoulos, Halper um, attempted to gather information on Sam Clovis and Paul Manafort and Carter Page. But... Um, you know, at this point, the, these things are starting. And you, one of the interesting things I noted on the uh, New York Times article yesterday and the opposition media's reaction to it is they never use this term bombshell. You recall any time any um, fake news that can be used to try to attack the Trump campaign, they always call it a bombshell. But here we have yet another of these spies coming to light by the deep state leaks. And uh, suddenly it's not a bombshell anymore. It's just a, you know, it's just a, a development in the story. So now these media lackeys of the Democrats, deep state and the Obama administration are going all out 
to assassinate the character of Bill Barr. And if you wondered why they were uh, so hysterical in the reaction to the uh, Bill Barr testimony, this is why. This is why they, they were sent out yesterday. All of, they, all of them had the same talking point. Bill Barr lacks credibility. This is an attempt to undermine his authority ahead of these revelations that, yes, in fact, the Trump campaign uh, was spied on by the Obama uh, deep state, and I believe this is going to lead right into the White House. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe in abortion? Do you believe in sanctuary cities? Do you believe in this transgender agenda that's being stuffed down our throats that are allowing uh, men to compete against girls in athletic events? Are you on board with all of this? If not, why are you supporting these causes every month when you pay your cell phone bill? Big Mobile has contributed literally tens of millions of dollars of your money, our money, I should say, to these causes and other far-left causes when you pay your cell phone bill. And that's why conservatives created Patriot Mobile. If you give uh, if, if you value the choice you make when you spend your hard-earned dollars, you should stop supporting these things. And it's easy to do. You can switch to Patriot Mobile, get the same reliable nationwide service, unlimited talk and text, for plans that start as low as $25 a month. And if you call now at 1-800-APATRIOT or go online at patriotmobile.com slash mojo five zero. You will get your activation fee waived. And Patriot Mobile will contribute money, their uh, charitable giving, to conservative causes like the Heritage Foundation and religious foundations so that your dollars will work for the causes and the values that you believe in. Call today, 1-800-8-PATRIOT, or visit patriotmobile.com slash mojo five zero. So I've got a clip here. This is uh, George Papadopoulos. He appeared on Tucker's show last night, and he was detailing uh, this meeting that Stephen Halper lured him into, and then the the deep state, they're claiming it was the FBI. Papadopoulos thinks it was the CIA, and I tend to agree with him, using a honeypot to try to uh, lure him into some sort of conspiracy that, he, that they could then use against Donald Trump. Uh, I received an unsolicited email uh, in September of 2016 from a man named Stefan Halper who uh, was suggesting that he wanted to pay me $3,000 to write a report on uh, energy security questions that I was a recognized expert on at the time in Israel, uh, Turkey, and uh, Cyprus. And I looked him up. I'd never heard of him before. I just saw that he had been he had worked in four U.S. Uh, administrations and he was a professor at Cambridge. So I accepted his offer. He flew me to London where he paid a five-star hotel tell my flights and uh, he said before I meet with you I need you to meet my assistant and he put this assistant in an email chain along with me and I saw her name was Azra Turk I recognized it as Turkish uh, which was a bit suspicious right away because um, my policy uh, positions throughout my entire career were very hostile to Turkey so when I noticed a Turkish name I didn't understand why she'd be involved uh, but anyways I went and I met with her and uh, she was very suggestive as you can understand um, young you know, very flirtatious, and I right.
right away understood that this wasn't a Cambridge uh, assistant. And, uh, you know, she barely spoke English. She was very flirty and was trying to do two things. One, to extract information about my professional connections uh, in the Middle East, and two, to see if uh, I had in any information that she could potentially extract from me about Trump in Russia, which of course is nonsense. And uh, so anyways, after I meet with her, she is then introduced to me again the next day uh, with Stefan Helper, where she goes from this uh, suggestive young lady to now pouring us coffee, and uh, Stefan Helper is very belligerent I explained it in my book, um, uh, how belligerent he is, how he invited me to basically uh, castigate me about my policy positions. And of course, Azra Turk then took me to dinner and was just basically trying to extract information. I was very suspicious. And, uh, you know, from that moment, I knew there was something wrong and I was laughing about it. But now, of course, the New York Times reported that uh, she was some sort of agent. But I don't think she was FBI. I think she was CIA. This is a classic honeypot. Good cop, bad cop situation, too. It's uh, uh, Azra Turk is playing the good cop in this situation, and uh, Stefan Halper is playing bad cop. But she takes Papadopoulos out to dinner afterwards and probably tries to lure him into some sort of romantic relationship with her in hopes of, um, of infiltrating the Trump campaign. Apparently, he rebuffed these efforts. Maybe he did not. We don't know and probably won't ever know. But uh, as I say, this is uh, what is the motivation between these last couple of days when you've seen the Democrats' coordinated campaign to attack Bill Barr because Bill Barr said he's going to look into this and whether or not these spying efforts that he acknowledged did in fact exist, which has been clear for years now, he's going to find out if they were adequately adequately predicated and when he says that what he means is was there, was there ever probable cause to believe that Trump was uh coordinating with Russia i don't believe there ever was any even reasonable suspicion much less probable cause and the reason they took all of this overseas was because there are strict laws that bars this sort of stuff from taking place on American soil for American intelligence agencies and law enforcement agencies to spy on American citizens. So they lure him overseas. And I believe that the intelligence agencies for the United Kingdom and Australia and the other so-called five I nations were also involved in this effort against Trump. Because remember during the campaign, Donald Trump was stating outright that he uh, intended to make NATO nations pay their fair share and establish uh, better relations with Russia. And what they sa that says to them is, we're going to have to start paying for our own defense. And oh, by the way, Trump may actually um, try to bring Russia into the uh, fold of Western nations. And the whole rationale for the United States spending hundreds of billions of dollars every year on our defense would be um, would be moot. And it's, it's not about necessarily the defense of Europe. What it's about is the huge defense contracts that flow out of this that benefit American industrial military complex as well as that in Europe. All of the careers that are made on these, um, you know, these spy networks and these State Department um, operations that need Russia as an enemy. 
So one of the weird things that developed yesterday is uh, as Hillary Clinton um, became aware of this effort for Bill Barr to try to look into this spying effort on behalf of the Obama administration, she deployed her her um, propaganda techniques over there with Rachel Maddow at MSNBC and had some very, well, odd things to say uh, to Rachel. Imagine, Rachel, that you had one of the Democratic nominees for 2020 uh, on your show. Mm -hmm. And that person said, you know, the only other adversary of ours who's anywhere near as good as the Russians is China. So why should Russia have all the fun? And since Russia is clearly backing Republicans, why don't we ask? Russia is clearly backing Republicans. That, that's the biggest slide, one of the biggest slides that has come out of all of this. The Russians didn't want Donald Trump elected. If anything, the Russians would have won Hillary Clinton because, of, as I've pointed out many times, Donald Trump was promising to unleash the American energy sector, which he has in fact done, which has crippled the, uh, the Russian energy sector, which their entire economy is based around. And that is why Russia deployed misinformation through Christopher Steele, disinformation, to try to undermine the Trump campaign. Hillary Clinton was involved knee-deep in Russia's effort to undermine the Trump campaign, and, and she's out there telling this big lie that somehow they wanted Donald Trump as president. China to back us. I hereby tonight ask China. That's right. And not only that, China, if you're listening, why don't you get Trump's tax returns? I'm sure our media would richly reward you. Of course, what she's talking about is, you know, in that that press conference where all of the opposition media was accusing Trump of colluding with Russia by by you know, just pointing out the damaging information in WikiLeaks, Trump jokingly said, well, maybe uh, Russia can recover these 33,000 emails that Hillary, that were under subpoena at the time that Hillary Clinton destroyed, wiped from her service, servers with beach bit, let beach bleach bit, and took hammers to all of these other devices and it, uh, in a blatant and obvious attempt to cover up her wrongdoing when she was Secretary of State. And Trump said at the time, well, if Russia, if you can get your hands on those 33,000 emails that Hillary Clinton destroyed, I'm sure the media would richly reward you. Obviously, it was tongue-in-cheek. All of those emails had already been destroyed. And if he were, in fact, going to urge Russia to do that, he would not have done it on national TV. They, they, they like to point that out. And the meeting at Trump Tower that was coordinated by Hillary Clinton's opposition research arm, Fusion GPS, as the main examples that Trump was colluding with Russia. It's absurd but it's really all of they they've got, and they could keep trying to put up all this squid ink to um, deflect and obscure the real spying that took place here. But you know these low information voters, 
uh, they, they eat this kind of stuff up. And if you watch The View yesterday, this was pointed out by Thomas Lifson in uh, today's American Expe- uh, Spectator. They were claiming that, um, you know, Bill Barr uh, has to be impeached, that uh, he lied to Congress, that he has no credibility. The problem, Lifson points out, is the Democrats now have this um, storyline that has become very simple and direct, and it's obvious in the evidence if the Inspector General and Bill Barr have the uh, the intention of releasing it, and I'm not convinced yet that they will. It's very simple and direct. Obama's deep state, the CIA, the FBI, and the NSA, deployed spies against the Trump campaign, falsified a FISA warrant in order to get uh, electronic surveillance on the campaign and in fact engaged in spying that the media and the democrats have been telling you for the last two and a half years didn't happen pass the popcorn this is going to be good and i just hope bill barr and uh inspector general horowitz are true to their word expose all of this corruption and let the chips fall where they may we got to run out to a break. We're going to have two commercials, and then we'll be right back to talk about old Bernie Sanders and his proposal to let prisoners vote from jail right after these messages on Right Now with Jim Dawes. As you make plans this season, consider convenient COVID-19 testing from Quest. Get the same test hospitals use without a doctor visit. Simply order online, select from drive through or at-home options, and get the results sent securely to your phone or computer. It's a great fit for your busy life. With over 20 million COVID-19 tests processed, you can count on Quest. So order your test today at questcovid19.com. That's questcovid19.com. You're listening to Find My Way from Paul McCartney's latest album, McCartney 3. Labeled as one of 2020's best albums by Rolling Stone, this collection completes a trilogy that began in 1970. Now available on all music platforms. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an America first perspective on the Mojo Five O radio network. As the 21-candidate Democratic presidential field struggles to get attention by out-crazying each other and trying to get to each other's left, old Bernie Sanders has upped the ante. At a recent town hall, which is basically a free campaign commercial by CNN for the Democrats, the Vermont senator was asked this question from the audience. Senator Sanders, you have said that you believe that people with felony records should be allowed to vote while in prison. Does this mean that you would support enfranchising people like the Boston Marathon bomber, a convicted terrorist and murderer? Do you think that those convicted of sexual assault should have the opportunity to vote for politicians who could have a direct impact on women's rights? Okay, thank you for the question, and uh, and let me just 
say this. What our campaign is about and what I believe is creating a vibrant democracy. But to get to your point, we live in a moment where cowardly Republican governors are trying to suppress the vote. And to me, that is an incredibly undemocratic, un-American process. All right. So we got to. So here is. And to answer your question, as it happens in my own state of Vermont, from the very first days of our state's history, what our Constitution says is that everybody can vote. That is true. So people in jail can vote. Now, here is my view. If somebody commits a serious crime, sexual assault, murder, they're going to be punished. They may be in jail for 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, their whole lives. That's what happens when you commit a serious crime. But I think the right to vote is inherent to our democracy. Yes, even for terrible people. Because once you start chipping away and you say, well, that guy committed a terrible crime, not going to let him vote. Well, that person did that, not going to let that person vote. You're running down a slippery slope. So I believe that people who commit crimes, they pay the price. When they get out of jail, I believe they certainly should have the right to vote. But I do believe that even if they are in jail, they're paying their price to society. But that should not take away their inherent American right to participate in our democracy. (laughs) You can almost hear Bernie thinking to himself, take that. You other 20 Democratic candidates, try to get to the left of that. Well, to talk about this, we're joined now by Gary Goldman. He hosts Business, Politics, and Lifestyles, a weekly talk show aired on WCRN 830 in Boston, Massachusetts. You can follow him on Twitter at GaryOnBPL or go to his website at GaryOnBPL.com. Gary, thanks for joining us tonight. My pleasure. My pleasure to join you. Well, Gary, um, you know, I got to ask you, as a Southern conservative to a Northeastern conservative, (laughs) what is it about New England liberals that make them go so far off the deep end and make them make statements like the one you just heard from crazy Bernie Sanders? You know, I I wish I had the real answer to that. You know, I I listened to Bernie, and I had to listen to that tape that you just played several times over and over, especially when uh, the reporter brought up, you know, someone like the Boston Marathon bomber who killed a young, innocent boy, two other people, many people maimed. Um, we see it daily up here. These people are who are who are injured are, are involved in the community on a regular basis. So I listened to him and I just realized how out of touch we he really is with reality. You know, look at my feeling is someone who commits a crime like that the day you check into jail. The day you, they open that little manila folder or bag for you to drop your belongings in is when you lose your rights for the horrific crimes, crime that you committed. Now, when you're, when, when you're released, if and when you're released and you reach back in and you take your belongings out, okay, we could talk about giving you your rights back at that point. But somebody who, who, who rapes or, or maims people or sets off bombs, do we really want them influencing our society? Obviously, they, they had a demented ver- vision of what is going on. I'm not sure we want them voting and influencing on our society. To me, it comes down to accountability. You know what? You have to be accountable for your actions. You're going to lose some rights for what you did. And Bernie just wants – Bernie talks about the Republicans or the conservatives trying to you know, suppress the vote. All they're trying to do is buy votes. They'll go to any length possible to get additional voters within their court. 
We know I'm retired down here to Florida in Florida, and uh, we had a referendum on the ballot last uh, cycle that uh, restored the voting rights of 1.6 million million felons uh, throughout the state. And during the last election cycle, you actually had uh, George George Soros funded uh, activists going into the jails and uh, and delivering absentee ballots to, for instance, uh, the Parkland shooter uh, for them to vote. Uh, you know, I don't know whether they are going to vote Democrat or Republican. I suspect they're going to vote Democrats, but I don't really care. I don't want people that are demented and obviously morally depraved canceling out the vote of good, hardworking people. And, you know, when you hear this kind of statement coming from Bernie Sanders, who I believe were it not for the DNC cheating during the 2016 presidential election on behalf of Hillary Clinton, likely would have won the Democrat nomination. And I just wonder what in the world has happened to the Democrat Party? Yeah, the, the Democratic Party, uh, you know, every candidate that's running for president is trying to outdo the other. But, you know, uh, Bernie doubled down on this conversation the other day when he brought race into the fa- he brought the race card into it and started saying that you know conservatives are no more than racists. It's you know ma- the majority of blacks are in jail and they just don't want the black population voting. They want to suppress the black vote. Um, he will do and say whatever he has to say. And you know, look at up here in Massachusetts, I talk to a lot of people, and you know, with all the colleges, I'm blown away. You know, I shouldn't be surprised, but how many college students follow this guy and, you know, want to vote for him? They think that these types of things are okay and the promises that he's making in the long run are going to help them. There's no way it's going to help them, nor is it going to help the Democratic Party. I mean, the Democratic Party is on a, is on a, a crash course to implode. Um, it's just a matter of when it's going to happen. I think I think it's not too far off. Well, the fact that, uh, uh, you know, a character like Bernie Sanders, it, it always amazed me that he was able to, you know, rise to the position of senator from the great state of Vermont, which is a beautiful state with uh, wonderful people in it. I've been there and and uh, I, I found the people, you know, uh, very friendly and lovely. The fact that he is representing them in Congress, you know, when he honeymooned in the Soviet unions and had uh, Soviet Union and had wonderful things to say about uh, the former communist regime in the USSR uh, leaves me scratching my head. And one never would have thought, you know, that the, the party that the Democrat party that used to elect uh, somewhat left of center uh, candidates has now gone so far to the left that uh, Bernie Sanders until just recently when old Joe Biden jumped into the race, uh, was their, uh, their leading contender. Yeah. And, and look at Bernie, who is a very wealthy man yeah, and owns various properties. He's a hypocrite. He talks out of both sides of his mouth because democracy is what it made him a wealthy, wealthy man, you know, in the democracy and in the, our economic system. But at the same token, he preaches this socialism and how we have to give, you know, redistribute income and and you know uh, health care whatever you name it he's he, he's on that side but i find him to be a, a hypocrite and look at vermont is a beautiful state i agree with you i've numerous friends that live in vermont but he somehow has been able to convince people and it, 
currently, you know, in up in the Northeast here, they're, they're madly in love with him. But he's been able to convince people that this means of so, demo, democratic socialism is what he likes to call it, is the way this country has to go, because the way it's working now is not going to last. But, you know, look at Venezuela, a horrible situation. At some, to, some degree, it couldn't have happened at a better time for American people to open their eyes and say, wait a second, this great socialism that you talked about, look at what's happening there. And that was once a very wealthy country. So I think once the campaigning really starts, um, though I think Bernie has a very good chance of being the nominee. I mean, I, I, it scares me to say that, but I do think that's possible. Uh, but once the campaigning starts, they, they're really going to have to decide, all of the candidates, how far to the left they want to go. I don't think there's any turning back with Bernie. I think he's going to take that needle as far to the left as he can. And I think, unfortunately, there are people that will continue to follow him. Well, I'm rejecting outright this uh, this terminology that they want to use as Democrat socialists. Uh, what they are, Doesn't in fact, yeah. are socialists, Democrats. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. the fact that they have steadfastly refused to condemn the uh, dictatorial regime in Venezuela with Maduro, who has just basically wrecked one of the most um, uh, successful co- economies in South America, through these giveaway programs that uh, promise people that there is a free lunch. Um, you know, it just is scary that about half of the population of this country now is buying into this this notion that you can have a free guaranteed income and free health care and free college tuition. Um, you know, and, and uh, hell, you've even got... Um, the senator from New York, Gillibrand, saying she's going to give everybody $600 to donate to politicians at this point. Um, right. The universal basic income. They want to just pass out money to everybody on a weekly or monthly basis. Gary, what, what will be the reason for, you know, the most uh, the, the majority of people who are not terribly ambitious to get out of bed in the morning? No, they'll be look at that's what they want. They want to be able to control the populace. And they think by, you know, they, they, they come up with such reasons why they should be handing out this money. Um, take a little time off, go back and get your education. It's no different than free college. Look, if you don't have a stake in things, whether it's your college education, whether it's work, there's no motivation to make yourself better and move on. That will be the demise of our society if we allow this to go on. I think, I think uh, we're at such, Jim, such a pivotal point right now that if, we, if, if for some reason it ever turns and, and you know, someone like Bernie Sanders or somebody, even Joe Biden gets elected, I think we're in very big trouble because this president is doing all that he can to sort of shift things back to some sort of happy median after the last administration and the and the things that these candidates are, candidates are talking about and like you just said the american people are buying onto this this laziness that they try to propel to the american people about you know not working and free this and lack of accountability is oh, it's just going to ruin society look at we have in this state of massachusetts um we have district attorneys who were recently just elected that are now literally changing the laws within their communities. Assault and battery on the police officer, breaking and entering, um, uh, uh, shoplifting, they're not going to be charged with these crimes anymore. So what is that telling you? Where are you going to? Are you going to go into those communities if you're a thief or if you just want to get away with stuff? But where is this thought process coming from? Well, I can tell you you specifically where that thought process comes. 
Um, that was a George Soros program that right. po- poured millions of dollars into attorney general races throughout the country. And now you see attorney generals, uh, for instance, uh, Fox there in Chicago that yep. dropped all these charges against Jesse Smollett and a, an attorney general in Dallas County, Texas, that's saying that they're not going to prosecute any longer any theft cases built, uh, under $750 and if they were not motivated by a monetary gain. So basically the shop owners uh, there in Dallas County are going to be left to fend for themselves because people can come in and just take stuff off the shelf. And if it doesn't add up to $750, they're not going to be prosecuted. And I'm just learning right. now about the situation you just spoke of in Boston. Yeah. And, and it, I mean, resisting arrest, I have some very good friends that are in law enforcement that are ready to throw their hands up. Um, their jobs are difficult enough. But how about breaking and entering? If if the person can prove they needed a place to sleep and they break into your property, the DA is not going to charge them with that? Seriously, then let them open and unlock their doors and just welcome these people into their homes. Well, you know what it I, is, I mean, Gary? It's a, a recipe for um, a vigilantism because people are not going to just sit idly by while they have their property taken and their uh, and their property broken into, they're going to take the law into their own hands. If the law will not uh, enforce the laws that are on the books, the people are going to be left to fend for themselves. Yeah, and and I think there's a very high probability that we're going to see some of that vigilantism. And, and I know talking to people in communities where these these particular DAs are involved um, are very very concerned. I mean, the other day. You know, we had a, we had another judge. I don't know if you heard about the judge that let the the illegal. Uh, she stopped the court proceeding. She let the illegal out of the back door of the courthouse because ICE had a retainer on him. This was an illegal charge with drug possession and n- numerous other very significant crimes. Unfortunately, for for the sake of us, those that care, this particular ICE agent was not going to let this go. The other day, she was indicted by a federal grand jury she's off the bench and she's in, she's probably going to do d- jail time what happens the da's in the community here are suing ice for interfering with their with their courts and the laws within the commonwealth well so when you ICE have when not- you have judges sitting on the bench and district attorneys that are actively undermining the rule of law you are on the verge of anarchy and the kind of social revolution that uh, that you see unfolding in in venezuela and and that you've seen uh, in other countries like Cuba and and the Soviet Union, and and that's what I you know when I when I bring that conversation and light on on the radio, you'll get the few you know people that will tell me you're absolutely out of your mind. I said no, it's not going to take much to get people wound up that they're not going to tolerate this type of behavior anymore. And I mean, think about it: telling uh, t- suing ICE for taking the bad guys off the street. ICE is trying to protect us, so you know. I put a call into the DA's office to try and talk to one of these district attorneys. Obviously, it wasn't going to happen. But I wanted to ask her, what about my rights? What about my family's rights? I've got to be concerned if you're letting these people roam the streets, letting them sneak out of courthouses, or you don't want to turn them over to ICE. How does that protect me? How does that protect our community? They never have an answer for that, Jim, never. But never they, can, they can brag about it at their uh, you know, liberal uh, cocktail parties that uh, they are socially or um, morally superior to the rest of us and, uh, and you know, basically look down their nose. You know, the real insidious thing about this whole guaranteed free income and guaranteed 
health care and guaranteed tuition and all of these other things that child sap, care. We could go down the list. Yeah. Yep. That that really sap people's motivation uh, to you know have a work ethic is at the same time they're sapping people's motivation that are inclined not to be ambitious. The people that are ambitious and, and that would get out of the bed and try to excel are going to have their income confiscated to pay for those people that won't. And and it's not very doesn't take very much to look into the future and see that that would just create such a drag on productivity, punish the people that uh, were productive and reward the people that were non-productive, which is exactly the opposite of the motivations that a that a uh, a society should try to instill. And what happens once you wear these people down, the, the income producers, the tax producers in your economy, you know, then you're out of, where's the money going to come from? And that's when the real chaos will begin. And, you know, Elizabeth Warren, uh, our, our senator here, she wants to, she, you know, she, oh she was paid $400,000 to teach a course at Harvard University, and yet she wants, she can't understand why college is costing so much and why we can't give free education. I mean, seriously? You're part of, you know, when, you, when you're charging, I don't care if it's Harvard or, you know, there, there are people that go to Harvard that p- do pay the, the, the freight, and that's fine. But to pay, she's not worth, to me, there's, very, there's no professor worth $400,000 to teach one course at a university. Totally absurd. But to, to be able to get on and preach to us about free education and the cost of college education when she's ch- taking that much revenue herself for one course, you, you, you have to think about this and sort of just scratch your head. It's the, it's the craziness of this whole thought process with it on the side of the left. Gary, why do you people burden us with these, these politicians? You know, we had to put up with the Kennedys, and they seem to have played themselves out. But now you've got Hiawatha. Um, we Elizabeth had John Kerry, Warren, John Kerry, uh, Bernie Sanders. It it just is without end, and and you'll notice. Uh, I wish I had had a clip of it of Bernie Sanders on that town hall on Fox the other day when they asked him, "Well, if you really believe in this fifty eight percent tax bracket that you're espousing, why don't you go ahead and and pay that?" There's nothing stopping you, and, you know, he scoffed that off. Well, that tells you right there he doesn't have the, the courage of his convictions. No, he does not have his courage of his convictions. And, you know, it, it's funny you, you we joke about it and say, how do we come up with these politicians from, <laughs> you know, New England? But when it's a one-sided party, our state government is, you know, there's three Republicans and everyone else is a Democrat. It's very lopsided. It's very difficult to for anyone um, – the Republican side to run for office. They just, they get swallowed up as soon as, even on the local level, as soon as they start running. And, you know, there's, there's, there's this like snobbiness for lack. And I think the Kennedys created a lot of this themselves. And, you know, John Kerry was a perfect example of it, but you know, this we're better than you type attitude that is just so for someone like myself, when I read about it or, or talk to these individuals, it's just so, Gives me a stomachache. Yeah, but Gary, uh, Elizabeth Warren unseated, uh, what was his name? Scott Brown. Scott Scott Brown, Brown. an absolutely uh, fantastic senator that was, you know, really uh, articulate, well-spoken, good-looking, had a great family, had everything going for him, was, uh, you know, solid, solid guy. And then a, a character like Elizabeth Warren, who you don't have to listen to her for very long to realize that she's 
Well, I'll just say it. she's unstable. Personally, I, I like Scott Brown. I, I helped on one of his campaigns. But I think the when Elizabeth Warren ran against her, he waited. He let her get too far out of the gate before he started charging. And and it was just she, you know, she picked up the momentum right away. And as a liberal Democrat in the state of Massachusetts, that's all it's going to take. Scott died off, died out after that short term, you know, election when he won and people were looking for the change. And come the second time around, when it came time for him to run, it was like someone pulled the plug and he was running out of air as he was trying to uh, run this campaign. And it, it was, you know, it, I truthfully saw this months before the election that I said, he doesn't have a fighting chance. She's so far ahead at this point. It's she's and, and, and nobody. It's amazing. People will talk about her. They don't like her. But my d- friends on the left will continue to vote for her just because she's a Democrat. Doesn't matter. They will vote Democrat no matter what, no matter what information she's spewing or what you know position she takes. Democrat, Massachusetts Democrat, I'm voting for. Well, you know, lest the listeners think that Bernie Sanders is way out in left field on this, um, the 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 Democrat field uh, was not going to be left behind, and it didn't take too long for Kamala Harris to uh, to. Well, she didn't quite agree with Bernie's, but, well, you can listen to the clip. The issue that I want to talk to you about, this is really important. I'm not sure if you were watching earlier, but Senator Bernie Sanders said that uh, that he is in favor of felons being able to vote while serving in prison. He's, he was asked specifically about people like the Boston Marathon bomber, also people who are convicted of sexual assault. And he said, this is a quote, the right to vote is inherent to our democracy, yes, even for terrible people. Do you agree with that, Senator? I agree that the right to vote is one of the very important components of citizenship. And it is something that people should um, should not be stripped of needlessly, which is why I have been long an advocate of making sure that the formerly incarcerated are not denied a right to vote, which is the case in so many states in our country, in some states permanently deprived of the right to vote. And these are policies that go back to Jim Crow. These are policies that go back to the heart of, of policies that have been about disenfranchisement, policies that continue until today, and we need to take it seriously. But, but people who are in, convicted in prison, like the Boston Marathon bomber, death row, people who are convicted of sexual assault, they should be able to vote? I think we should have that conversation. This is what the Democrats always say when they are put on the spot. They want to have a conversation, which is, yeah. means they want to have it both ways. But, you know, Kamala Harris wants to have a conversation about whether or not this, uh, this younger Sarnayev brother gets to vote. Uh, you need to juxtapose that uh, with uh, uh, the video of this man putting a nail bomb, setting it down behind an eight-year-old boy. This is a morally defective human being who should never have the right to cancel uh, you know, somebody else's, a decent person's uh, right to vote out. Now, Kamala Harris tried to walk it back when she realized that you know she'd stepped foot in it, but uh, the Democrats seem very um, astray or adrift when it comes to being able to just make basic uh, judgments on right and wrong. Yeah, and kill, killing three people the, the day of the marathon, killing in cold blood a night or two later an MIT police officer because they wanted to steal his gun, having a shootout that same night with law enforcement uh, injuring several and critically injuring several police officers. I, I don't 
I, don't, I, I can't understand. The, in my mind and in my world, they, do, they lose their rights. They're not part of society. People like that are, are, you know, obviously have some serious, serious problems and issues, and they should not be contributing to the changing laws or, or having a say in what goes on in a civilized society because these are not civilized individuals. Just, it just shouldn't happen. But she stepped in it, then she tried to back off. And like you said, they, let's have a call. Every, every time they, they don't have the, the, uh, it, you know, the backup information, they want to have a conversation. And the conversation usually is null and void because they usually don't have anything to add to the conversation, except we need a conversation. Well, I'm not sure why you would even need a conversation on that topic, but we've got a couple of more minutes here, Gary, and I want to ask you about your take on the Democratic field. Oh, Joe Biden just jumped into the race, and already he's looking tired and gaunt and beat and slurring his words. And, you know, he hasn't even really gotten to the starting line yet, and it's really hard to see how he's going to make it to the finish line uh, especially if he does get the nomination and starts getting hammered by Trump uh, night after night after night. Yeah, you know, if he can slide by, you know, the, um, whomever and win this nomination, he was, he's never going to make it through the uh, campaign against President Trump. We saw what President Trump did to the first 17 or 16 Republicans and then, you know, even to Hillary. Look at he. he the president will have his plan of action, and he, if Joe's there, Joe will not know what day it is by the time he's done with a, with a debate with, the, with President Trump. And, and I don't even see him getting this that far. I've been watching him give talks. He, he looks confused, perplexed. He doesn't look on course, and I think his big problem is going to come when the, when the real progressives push him to go along with stuff like Bernie Sandy wa- Sanders wants or the crazy uh, new Green Deal, and he's going to have to walk a line that is impossible to walk because they're going to want that. This group of individuals is going to want answers, not we'll talk about it or we'll have a conversation about it. They are going to want to know that he's with them going forward. They're not going to support him. Yeah, they're going to they're going to pull they're going to pull him way over to the left. And it was amazing yeah. to hear Joe Biden at a campaign stop today. He assembled about two hundred people out in Iowa. Uh, he hasn't been able to assemble much of a crowd at any stop so far. But he got up on the podium and said that China was not a competition for us, that they're good people. And I think he said, come on, man, these people are no competition for us. These are the same people that have been stealing our intellectual property and running up huge trade deficits for two decades now. And it took you know, President Donald Trump to put tariffs in place and to go after them to level the playing field and protect the American people. You look at Joe's part of the swamp. He's not concerned about you and I. He's concerned about his buddies in the swamp and whatever it would take to get into office. But uh, Gary, thanks for China, joining us tonight. We're out of yeah. time. Uh, I got I to gotta get out of here. Gary Go- uh, Goldman pleasure. is uh, the host of Business Politics on Lifestyle on WCRN 830 in Boston, Massachusetts. You can follow him on Twitter at GaryOnBPL.com at Gary on BPL and you can go to his website at GaryOnBPL.com. Gary, thanks for joining us. I hope you'll come back again. Thank you. Have a great night. You too, buddy. 
I've been working at Santa's workshop for a long time and thought I'd seen it all. That was until I learned that when you add Xfinity Mobile to Xfinity Internet, you can save hundreds on your wireless bill. When you add Xfinity Mobile to Xfinity Internet, you can get a powerful Internet experience and nationwide coverage on the most reliable network. Choose the data option that's right for you. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Xfinity Mobile requires Xfinity Internet. Based on root metrics by IHS Markets Root Score reports 2H2020 of four mobile networks. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details.